What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Dapper Villains podcast. I am Dana Bluen, and as always, joined by my co-host, the Ronald Reagan of Fabric, Jason Jay, what's going on? I was wondering what would I be today? Ronald Reagan of, wow. Yeah, the Ronald Reagan. I don't Reagan. Even know how to respond to that one. Like, I don't know enough about Reagan. Like, <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> The Reaganomics of the Fabric Game. So, guys, before we get into it, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts. We are there. Definitely check us out. We've got an awesome episode for you today. We've got a great guest, a hip-hop icon. I'll go ahead and say it. One of the best-dressed men in the hip-hop game, Old Man Saxon. OMS, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for having me, friends. This is an honor. So before we get into it, uh, do us a favor. Just you know, give the listeners, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, give them a, a little bit of background about you, how long you've been in the game, and you know where your love for menswear came from. Because we're definitely going to get into your, your menswear background for sure. Absolutely. So I'm Old Man Saxon. I'm a rapper. That's the best way to describe me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I think I'm, I'm known for the visual wearing the suit yep. when I'm rapping and also just the idea of that coupled with the name old man Saxon gives me kind of a, a aura that people can't really uh, dismiss, you know? Mm. So that's why I'm a rapper. I'm a snazzy dressing rapper. Yes, sir. How long you been in the game for? <laughs> that is a great question. Cause what does it mean? Like I've been, I've been rapping since I was 11. I, as far as like, Doing it as a profession, I didn't. I didn't mentally make that switch until I finished college, which I was about twenty-one or twenty-two, and I moved to LA. So, if it's about the game as a profession, maybe ten years, I'll say. Nice. Yeah, I know you live in Denver now. You originally from Denver? Yeah, man, from Denver, born and raised. This is his home. I, I moved out. I moved out to LA for seven years had kids and moved right back to denver wow because that's what you do yeah when you have kids in la <laughs> everyone's leaving la now i mean it's like the, yeah. the great flight from uh california no it's good it's it's um it's actually and i'm not, not like to shit on la or anything but it's good to like have people not to get too political but even like people moving to arizona kind of flipped arizona blue and it's good to have like not all the same like-minded people living in the same place all the time, you know? So that's a good thing. For sure. Denver's a great city. Actually, I used to fly into, I went to undergrad in Kansas, but I used to have to fly to Denver because it was in Western Kansas. Ah, uh, okay. Where did you go? What school? Uh, Fort Hayes is where I went to undergrad. Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. <laughs> Little Hobunk State University out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Ah, what was like? What, did you have a social life? Like, what was it like there? Yeah, I mean, Kansas is Kansas. <laughs> you see the Wizard yeah, of Oz. I mean, there's nothing yeah. out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. Because it's like you're you're in a like if you were going to like the University of Kansas, I'd be like, oh, that sucked. But like, I mean, it's still it's a cool little it's like a little college town, right? So it's any rural okay. campus, but. Like, actually, the first school I went to was in Boston in, like, the 90s when I first went to college. Wow. And I just didn't graduate, so I ended up going back to school, like, eight years later, nine years later. All right. I like that. I actually like that a lot. <laughs> How old are you? 
Oh, I'm like 72. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 41. <laughs> 41. Oh, nice. Why do you think? Where do you think the Reagan references yeah, come from? <laughs> Actually, I was going to call you the Ron Jeremy of fabrics, but now I'm going to save that for another episode where there's someone like really proper on it. And they're going to be like, what? Ron Jeremy. You're like some super conservative fashion what, guru. Last episode, it was the Pablo Escobar. What could it mean? Like, what, is, what does that mean? In the last episode, I called him the Charlie Sheen of fabrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Charlie. Well, I, I do sell fabrics to a lot of people around the world. So, um, and he bangs a lot of porn it. stars. So, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> virtually <laughs> same, same social distancing. <laughs> so, so old man Saxon, when did the when did the the sort of love for menswear come into the same realm as your music? Because to me. Like I said, the first song I ever heard of yours was On Point. And so like I saw that video. Yeah. And so like I've always kind of envisioned your music with your style. Has that always been the case or did you develop that? So I 100% developed it because as um as like a rapper in the world, when you're listening to rap growing up, oh no, I'm going to have to charge myself. But when you listen to rap growing up, it's a look it's like a it's a there's certain lingo that they use there's a purse there's a template almost to use to be a rap so when i first got into the rap game it was just like okay i'm a rapper y'all look at my pants and my hat it's the time to rap but in that there was nothing separating me even my name at the time when i first started rapping was just my initials sk and that's boring as fuck like I can cuss, correct? Yeah, yeah. You, you already said right Say whatever yeah. the fuck you want. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I just realized that Charlie Sheen is Ron Jeremy. Um, There's no class so, in this show. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, dirty bad. I'm a dirty old white dude living in Bangkok. I mean, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. anything goes. Yeah, as I kind of grew up and started to develop the character, it wasn't until me and my friend came up with the name Old Man Saxon that we thought, oh, that person should have a different look too. So my love for menswear isn't actually Saxon Kinsey's at all. Like I could give, personally, I could give less of a fuck. What I'm wearing like a t-shirt that I, I, I've had for like two years and some really ugly sweatpants right now. But Old Man Saxon, this character, is always dressed to the nines, yep. always, because that's who he is. So I would say to answer your question, yeah, my love for menswear came with the character Old Man Saxon. Nice. Uh, who you? So you said you know you grew up listening to hip hop, and it's sort of a you know, there's a look that kind of went with it. I know you said you you were in the game about ten years. You graduated, so you're like in your thirties, early thirties. Yeah, yeah, I'm 32 right now. So who'd you grow up listening to? So like my very first, I'll say this, but the very first CD I bought was DMX, Flesh in My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. And I don't know how I got away with that because it's literally ah. him on the cover just bleeding. <laughs> just Great bleeding album. Everywhere. Great album, and actually. My, yeah, it was actually. And my mom must have just been like, nah, like <laughs> whatever. It's the the white man, cover with like, all the red, music. right? Yeah, it's very disturbing. Yeah. Um, 
So that was like the first album I bought. But before that, it was always like whatever my brother liked because okay. he was six years older than me. So to have a six-year-old, a brother six years older than you, he's just cool. Like regardless yeah. of what the fuck he does. If when I'm 12, he's 18. Like when I'm at my most like weird growing up spot, like going through puberty and balls dropping, he's like in college or like running in state track meets and shit. So whatever he liked, I liked. So he liked West Coast shit, like all West Coast, but especially Bay Area, Northern California music. G-Funk. So X, yeah, very like G-Funk, but more, more the gangster type of stuff. So X-Rated, X-Rated yep. is this rapper who, yeah, went to jail for something. We don't have to tell it. He was in jail. He was rapping over the phone. It kind of evolves from X-rated to Mac Dre, who is right now my favorite rapper of all time. But in the, and then like kind of once I developed this love for Bay Area music, I started to see why I liked it because even before Mac Dre, the Bay Area is super funk, right? It's yeah. just super funk music parliament, and even how they dressed back then, very flashy, like very flashy people like look at me motherfucker like this is who i am so something happened in a past life that made me that drew me to the bay more than any other place in the world artistically okay and stylistically yeah you're right about the the funk i mean the bay area like music scene in the bay area was always fantastic i lived i lived out in Mm. monterey for a minute you know we'd go up to the bay all the time and you know just you know, great, even local music is just on another level. Yeah, man, it really is. There's something about it. It's it's one of those things where, like, you know how in, like, there's places in the world that have, like, energy vortexes, and, like, you can just feel, like, oh, man, all these energies or whatever the fuck. I feel like that's the place for, like, the Bay with, like, art. It's like an art vortex where, like, they just create really unique artists who all have their own style. So yeah, I, I just love the Bay. A Bay Area artist I really like is um, Lyrics Born. He's a, he's got a few few tracks that I yeah. really dig. Yeah. Hey, I have a I have a quick question. So uh, no, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> wearing bespoke suits in rapping business, how did you make sure that it it did not become like a gimmick or like people didn't just take it as a gimmick in the first place? Like comedians doing characters, yeah. they can't do it every time. It you know everybody you know, avoids doing that or judges will always warn you against that. Yeah, I think for me, it's a gimmick. It's 100% a gimmick. And I think the more that people can kind of understand like the actual definition of what a gimmick is, it's just like a device that is used to capture people's attention. So as an entertainer, we all have gimmicks, right? Like, uh, Slick Rick had a patch over his eye and you know even rappers that have the most basic gimmick which is just gold teeth or some shit like that it's all gimmicks that, but I feel like where I draw the line is I'm just a little bit more creative with my gimmick so instead of it being like um, you know just how I wear my hat or anything it's a fucking full three piece suit <laughs> with matching shoes and glasses without frames so that even so and the, the other main point in this is you can gimmick all you want, but if you are in the profession that you want to be in and you're not good at the thing that you're trying to do, then that's when your gimmick becomes the problem. 
if you are a comedian that uses a gimmick, that uses a prop comment, and you use some shit, but you're not funny, oh, fuck that, dude, it's a gimmick. If you are a comedian, you're using props, and it's funny, great, good shit. As a rapper, if I can rap, then you can't tell me shit. I can wear a parrot on my head and be like, hey, look, and I'm Mr. Parrot Head. But if I'm spitting bars, you can't say shit to me. So that's how I've always took it. I had to get to a point where I was confident enough in my ability to rap that I could put it on a suit and not give a fuck what people think. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah, and yeah I, sir. You know, I think about when you talk about the gimmick, to me, I think back to the, the one gimmick that really always stood out to me was Shock G with the Digital Underground. That's, ah, that's the that's inspiration. That's the whole inspiration. Shock G. Like, people know the Humpty dance, and they know Humpty before they know Shock G. Yeah. Right? And Shock G, is, that, that was 100% a gimmick. But even how he said he came up with the character, he was just playing around. He put on these glasses, and he said a funny phrase, and then Humpty was born. Yeah. The Humpty dance, the, that, that song, if it was bad, you wouldn't know who Shock G was. Yeah, but he likes his oatmeal lumpy, and he has people all around the world that know he likes his oatmeal lumpy, and will sing that with him. He once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so go ahead, Shaggy, wear whatever the fuck you want, and just you know, be good in what you do. His whole that whole thing was a gimmick for him, and it just it, it was fantastic. So good, so good. Yeah, and that's why nothing's like new about what I'm doing either, right? It's all from influences that I've just had before. And Shock G being bad, like them for the suit. Like, yeah, man, just do whatever you want. Just rap. I must say, at least the suit didn't look bad or poorly fitted. It was custom made for you. <laughs> I mean, I was so glad that, okay, this guy came up in suits, but his suit was well made. If it was yeah. ugly, you know, it would have been a, <laughs> a well, different well, story altogether. Well, I don't. I didn't get it. That's it's tailored. The suit's tailored, but I didn't get it custom made. I went to a place called was that from? Yeah, that was here. A place called Ebony Men's. That's it. It's not even Ebony Men's Fashion. It's just Ebony Men's, and they sell like shit tons of suits. Like really, really like. I mean, hey, uh, they're not like Gucci or like Armani suits. They're really like normal. Like I think my aunt made these suits. But they look good to, like, the first four times you wear it. And then I have to buy another one. But I get it tailored. But I'm glad you think it's customized. That makes me really happy, actually. No, no. Well, I'll have to hook you with a few custom tailors then to make you uh, a few good suits. That would be great. Like, in, in Rhythm and Flow, Snoop Dogg said, like, you better have some other clothes. Uh, do you have a lot of suits yeah. to swap around? So, yeah. I have right now only about eight suits. And that's just because I haven't, yeah, but that's only because I haven't been touring. So if I was touring right now, I would have had to get like 10 to 15 more suits because I can't be like seen in the same. Exactly, exactly. And especially when you wear those like Prince of Wales check suits and tartans. Yeah. You're going to get remembered. Also, how do you perform in a suit like live on stage and then tour? Like, how do you keep those clean? Dude, so um, I was really kind of happy the tour got canceled because, like, <laughs> I had so much shit that I would have had to, like, prepare for. And literally, like, a week before, like, all right, let's start this tour, it got canceled, COVID and all that. 
But I didn't know. I didn't have like a good game plan for that. I was about to just like wear a suit in the city that night and ha- like pack three suits, wear a suit in the city that night, go like wear another suit. And, but then in the next city, I was going to buy another suit. But then I would have just had a. And I'm sure after, after this suit. episode, after this episode, you'll have some people reaching out to me. Yeah, for suits. sure. All right. Tight, tight, tight. We we do no, have we, some we, listeners yeah. in Colorado. So, actually, we, uh, we got to connect. I, I actually yeah, I just yeah. designed a jean line for a, a clothier in Colorado. Yeah, so tight. I'm sure he's listening and uh, he'll reach out to you. But like, I don't like touring. So like performing in the suit. And then I, I think back to an interview I heard with Henry Rollins, where he explained that when he was with Black Flag, the reason he would always perform in cut off jean shorts and nothing else was because anything he wore would be soaked in sweat at the end of the show, and it would take a day and a half to dry, and they've got to drive to another city. Once again, not something I didn't think of in depth, but every time I do a show, I'm sweating, 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 sweating. And yeah, I, I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have thrown away a couple of suits, or at least the shirts. That was my plan. My plan was to have a suit, right? have different shirts on though under it so that if I wanted to wear the suit the next day, I would take my jacket off early in the set. Yeah. I'd put it down and I would just uh perform in the shirt. In the shirt. That was my thought. It wouldn't have worked, but that was my thought. Yeah. Well I guess you could do like a, a jacket with a mismatched vest and a shirt and then change the vest and the shirt out every day yeah. and it's always a, a fresh combo. Yeah. That's a good idea. But you know you're buying the vest and the, the cufflink. You're buying these off the yeah. rack, so they've got to be fully lined, probably have interface all glued up in them. Probably polyester. Yeah, yeah, they're Extremely not really at all. We're going to get you in some linen, yeah. unstructured yeah. linen. Oh, okay, I'm down. Yeah, yeah. I'm very much down. <laughs> yeah, because like, I can't imagine like that polyester wool blend with a, like a rayon liner and yeah. interfacing. Dude, I, I had this little game where I was like, thinking that you made from this guy that I know, but okay, you got it from Ebony Men, so... And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's means on Montview and Quebec or whatever. Yeah, they should be sending you free suits now for the shout out, <laughs> dude. I, I've tried to like like show them, like, look at this is the suit that I'm wearing on this show, rhythm and flow. And they're just like, oh, you're a rapper. I'm like, yes, <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> like, I'm not good at asking for things, but I'm like, yes, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, give me free suits, <laughs> We're gonna have to hook you up with. Our boy Taylor out in uh, Colorado Springs yeah. with inherent clothiers, and then uh, dude, in, influencers who are ten times less famous than you reach out to me all the time asking for free shit. Do people reach out to me? I'm like, Ooh. how do you even uh, get my email? Like, <laughs> that's funny. Dude, the world is filled with whores now. So uh, <laughs> learn how to be like, I'm famous. Give me free shit, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> the unfortunate thing about um like dressing nice is it takes a while right so for me also as like um just a rapper that every once in a while i just want to like film some me rapping right i don't have enough suits also because i can't like i don't want to film myself doing a quick freestyle in my regular clothes because that's not who the character is but if i want to do it i have to like go get my suit cleaned and my pants cleaned. Or if I already use that suit, I got to get a whole new different suit for a 30, 40 second video. I'm also trying this out too. Maybe y'all can help. Like good, like classy, like loungewear. 
that that would fit the old man Saxon universe, you know? Because if I can put, I have a smoking jacket from Neiman Marcus, but like, I can't keep wearing that either. I can't be like just the dude in the smoking. No, no, no. no we got to put him in some shawl they, These guys, they do everything custom from like yeah. boxers to sneakers to everything can be customized. Yeah. So we'll hook you up. I'll need your number after this. Wow. We got, we got to take care of you. We're gonna take care of you. Wow! No, that's the whole point of of uh, like I really wanted that you in the be podcast amazing. because I wanted people in my industry to know that there's someone representing the sartorial community in hip hop doing rapping as well, in hip hop. You know, and, uh, you yeah. seem to be really into it, so uh, you should be uh, linked with a lot of people. That's a really good thing. It's a good thing to hear. Yeah, we'll co- we'll connect you with people all over. So as you travel around, like you go to Texas, you'll be able to hook up with. Uh, Franklin Moss from Franklin Anthony get fitted out there. You're yeah. in Colorado. You see Taylor. You know, you go down to Austin. We'll get you with uh, our boys at um, Sorek. This you can, you'll be able to stop in. You'll know where to get the right stuff. Right. I appreciate that. So when when you're out there performing though with these suits and like you said you, the tour got canceled, so you didn't really have to worry about it. I like how you didn't have a plan. You're like, I'm just gonna buy another suit. Yeah, man. That was I had no no plan at all. And if it was, yeah. The thing about it, too, with Old Man Saxon, like right now I have the the whole specific type of suit, like the three-piece suit, like very well tailored. But like I want to, just the name Old could mean so much as far as your dress choice. So when I very, my very first show as Old Man Saxon, I was just in a robe and boxers with like a tank top, whatever you call them. And I um, felt great. It felt great. Like, and I had a newspaper, but that's where it got gimmicky to a point where I was like, eh, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what do I need a newspaper for? Then it became, uh, it kind of fought, flowed into the suit thing. But I was also like, before the tour, if I had the time that I like, actually, that would have been a comfortable time to like set it up. I was thinking like, old colonial wear type of shit i was thinking like like funk like leather pants like a sequins jacket type of shit because there's so much that can go with old man saxon i'm just in the phase of my american revolution inspired uh suit jacket yes yes i wanted uh, uh, the the tails the like long tail uh coat yeah like a pianist or some shit i wanted like Rudy Ray Moore type of like a beret and like a leather jacket. I want it. I want to fuck with it so much. A dandy, very dandy look. Yeah, but right now I'm in this part, the three piece suit. But I'm a, I'm gonna keep fucking with it for sure. So many ways you could go with it too, and especially like you know, once you get into like a like a pattern of like, oh, I want to I want to be able to wear this over, so I need to have something under it that that shows. And then you you can really get creative with colors and patterns and textures. Yeah, and that's what I'm. I I think I'm, I'm really glad I'm talking to y'all because I I didn't think of, thought about it in in detail like this. But yeah, I would. That that's the plan because it's and that's also been the problem is the clothes dress of it has always been kind of the like wrench in the. Uh, the situation, I don't know what the term is, but like if I'm getting prepared for a show, I need to like practice with fucking shoes on. <laughs> I have to practice with like where are these shit? Oh shit. Like, these things on. <laughs> and like I have to play 
in these shoes. So like, are those hard bottoms? Or they have a rubber sole. It's um, I never really had like a concrete. Nah, I don't know what that means. Oh, like in here? Yeah, they have some sort of. No, no, no. On the on the outside, can oh, I see yeah. the? These ones, these cheap ass shoes, also. Oh, right here. Oh yeah, it's rubber, huh? Oh no, that's leather. I don't know what these is. I know I, I found I had a gold pair of these and they fell apart on stage. The bottom part like just ripped off, the toe fell off. But um yeah, I guess I'm saying that because yeah, I've never just I've never came at it with a strategic of a um view as you guys are saying, like, oh something under and the different colors. I've always just walked into Ebony Men's and been like, Oh, I like that suit and, and they'll like tailor it. Oh, I see. No, no, no. With uh, with custom tailors, you are the designer and you get yep. to design with everything the from the stitching type to the colors, buttonhole colors. You can have stacked buttons, kissing buttons. You know, yeah. you can get a J double breasted, crazy wide peak lapel suit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, go fully unlined, unstructured, Neapolitan. You know, see, I want to know what all of this means because I have no idea, but I like how it sounds. <laughs> yes, sir. The- I would love to help you put together looks for like your when you when you go back out on tour. I'd love to just kind of like help you work with colors and texture and shape silhouettes that would make me happy actually that'd be really tight totally down tell us about the rhythm and flow experience a little bit i mean you had your songs way before that you were performing a lot but would you say your career blew up when you when you participated in rhythm and flow i'm gonna say yes as an easy answer like yeah like i definitely have more people watching for what i'm going to do next Now, if I have, so I'll answer this in two ways. I'll just talk about the experience real quick. Like, it was super, you know, TV-ish. It was really fun, but it was TV, right? Yeah. Mm. So in the in the week I was out there, the week and a half I was out there, I was on screen on the show for less than five minutes, right? Oh, shit. But I made a, yeah, I made a good, uh, big enough of an impact that people were like, okay, like, I, I like him, which I'm completely grateful for. And, you know, like, the, the, the problems, I don't want to say out there problems, but the thing that you run into when you are, when people know you from TV, is that they know you from TV first and your art is kind of second a lot of the time. Mm. And that's chill, you know, to some extent for if I had before the show 19,000 Instagram followers, let's just use this as a gauge. If I had 19,000 Instagram followers and now I have 180 something thousand, right? Mm. That's a huge jump, right? Yeah. Now, if I had that jump of people listening to my music i'm good like i'm really good i don't really need to tour because i have extra 150,000 people listening to my music what you end up seeing is that they want to you know message you on instagram and they want to say you know they want to give you good graces which i'm always a fan of that show came out what like a year ago now and i'm trying to just get back to just making music i'm trying to get back to just being an artist instead of being a reality tv star you know Mm. or whatever the fuck you would Mm. call that so yeah it's just i can see a lot of people kind of ending that show and with the end of that show 
goes to the end of their music their career. career. Yeah. You yeah. know, because yeah. they've done it. They've had yeah. the people say, hey, you're tight. That's good. That was never, for me, the competition of the show is happening mm. now. Mm. You've got your audience. You've got your superficial audience from these people. How many of these people can you turn into real fans? How many of these fans can you get to go to a show? How many people that go to your show can you get to buy merchandise? And most importantly, how many of the people from the show actually like your art? Mm. Then after all that, it's kind of a trap. Yeah, man. So I love the show. I'm very appreciative for what it did. But at some point, you got to kind of separate yourself. It, unfortunately. And it, it is very risky, right? Because they make these contracts with you and uh, they edit it however they oh, it, it's man. good for the show, not for you. And uh, oh, if you're yeah. not lucky, uh, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the edit that comes out can completely fuck your career too. Completely. That was, it was on the contracts and not even in like smooth language. It was just like, we can edit this show to make you look however we want, bitch. It was just like, damn. Whatever fits the narrative. Contract. Yeah, but whatever fits the narrative. So, yeah, I'm sure there are people on there that had, you know, that got portrayed in a way that they didn't want to. And I'm once again thankful for even signing a contract that says we can make you look like an idiot, bitch. They, yeah. I still, like, controlled myself in a way where that didn't happen. Yeah, you know, I didn't talk. And like the judges on the show are are way more mean than like American Idol. Like American Idol, you have yeah. one Simon Cowell. This show has all four, and they're all yeah, very brutally honest. Yeah. They check yeah. up on you. They, like you were, you're very lucky in a way where they they all said nice things. Chance yeah. the rapper said nice things even before you started rapping. They were like, "We gotta yeah. let this guy go through." Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> and I'm glad. I'm also glad that that people were like honest it's a hip-hop show so yeah i'm glad it wasn't like um sugar-coated also yes but yeah that, that, like even the winner of the show d smoke he probably also kind of wants to be a little separated from the show also you know mm. because he's done with it he's making good music and i've even heard people on some shows try to discredit his album because he was on Netflix. And yeah, that's mm. a hard position for him to be in. So yeah, I, I guess it's always going to be something that I have to carry around with me. That's a double-edged like, sword right there. Yeah, but long as it's the same as the suit. As long as you keep making good shit, you know, it doesn't really, it can't affect you as much. I, I think about what you said though, with regards to like when you're on TV, people know you from that versus your art. And it reminds me of a uh, an episode of uh, the Boondocks where uh, Huey was talking about Ice Cube and Riley goes, oh, the dude who makes family movies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. And I grew up listening to Ice Cube. And when I, I remember when I heard that, when I watched that episode for the first time, I was like, oh, damn, that's not, that's not yeah. untrue. Not at all. <laughs> that's not at all. There's a whole generation of kids. That no ice cube from are we there yet? Yep. And I probably have cousins who are who are like 15 years younger than me who only know Snoop Dogg for doing a TV show with Martha Stewart. <laughs> That's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. It is, but at the same time, yeah. you know, it's it's like, man, it's it's opportunity, obviously. I mean, I'm sure, you know, 
and Ice Cube's crazy talented. Like he he writes movie scripts, he directs, he, he makes music, all these things. And then Snoop at the same time, it's opportunity for him. He's got this great personality, but yeah, you know, like you said, it, it it sort of fragments your audience. And then how do you deal with converting those TV fans that came over to your Instagram to liking your style of music and your gimmick and and what you're evolving? Well, the thing I've always heard about rappers is that you you start rapping so that you don't have to rap anymore because the music business is so like slimy and it's mm-hmm. so much um you know loss of ownership of shit and it's so much pressure to be good and and I've always heard that yeah like the goal of a rapper is to eventually get to a point where you don't have to rap anymore. So I right now have not hit that part in my life where mm. like I don't want to rap anymore. But yeah, for Snoop, for Ice Cube, I think they're almost welcoming the fact that they don't rap anymore, right? Mm. I think they're fine with it. I think that people knowing them for like yeah, yeah, Ice Cube wrote Friday. Like he wrote a cult classic movie like that's known all around the world. Three of them. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And so his problem, his, I don't want to speak for Ice Cube, of course, but his relationship with music is probably much different than mine at this point, right? For sure. Also, like, uh, think another one, uh, Common, right? Like, you know, he he's oh, really transitioned, God. or LL Cool J, <laughs> two guys who have transitioned Common? into to acting. Yeah, yeah. Common should have never rapped anyway, but yeah. <laughs> wow. He, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying Common. Sorry, Common, if you listen to it. That's, that's yeah. rough. There's just one song that he has. There's a song, uh, it's called The Light, right? Yeah. Uh, how's it called? What's the what's the melody? I don't even know if you can do it without getting sued. I probably But there's can't. a top. No, we probably can't. And I need someone. That one, right? Yeah. And he has a point in the verse, and it's, I think it's second or third verse, where at the end of the verse, he just goes, and I was like, what the fuck is that? And then you hear like the, the um, <laughs> you hear the like story of why he did that part in the song. And the story goes, he didn't know what to say. So he just said, Oh my and it's like, yeah, it sounds like you did that. That's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> See, I, I, I was forced to like learn Indian drummings, and that's the language of Indian drumming right there. So maybe <laughs> it is, it is like that's how you de- design. <laughs> yeah, the, the beats. a dope song, though. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what's how does that go without getting sued? <laughs> it's, it's actually a very good storytelling song. Do the I don't want to do the melody because I'll fuck it up, but. It's a it's a, it's a very intricate like storytelling rap. It's, it's not bad. Yeah, and you know what? Let me stop because Common's a very good rapper. He's actually an extremely good rapper, but he's done more corny songs than he's done good songs. Well, like I, he has one called. I don't disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, he has one that's like oh, it's like a techno song, and the video's terrible. I forget. It's just I've had more. You know, as an artist, you just kind of like remember how you feel in certain situations. And whenever I hear a common name, I just feel like I'm like corn. I feel like I'm eating corn. So how about LL? <laughs> LL Cool J, man. How about LL? Like he, he's transitioned into acting as well. 
Yeah, but even him, I would also say he probably is not tripping about people knowing his music, right? Like, like Mama Said Knock You Out is a hit. And if you were around when Mama Said Knock You Out was on, you know it. But if you're fucking a 22-year-old kid that knows L. Kuj from Deep Blue Sea, I don't think he's like, you don't know Mama Said Knock You Out? He's just, oh, okay, yeah, I've had a long career. Deep, Deep Blue Sea. But also, like, he's probably making so much bank off Mama Said Knock You Out. They play that at, like, so many sporting events. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've always thought if it was... Mother said, knock you out. It would be a different song, but he, he chose the right word. Yeah. <laughs> if it was mother, mother said, knock you out. Yeah. That would be a different song. Now you touched on the, the record industry being, or the music industry in general being kind of toxic and, you know, not, not the greatest slimy place to, to try to make a living. Right. For, for most people, what's it like for you? How, how do you, how do you navigate that world? So the, um, the thing that's going to get artists the most money right now is between syncing, so it's getting your song on a commercial or a TV show or a trailer, and it's touring. Those are like the top two revenue streams because in touring, there's also merch, so you're going to get that. So we've cut out touring. I get probably, you know, I get a little check from Spotify each month because people listen to my music. But so let me break this down like this. So... One is the sinking. That's what you're going to get these chunks of change from. So I just recently got a um, commercial called, it's a Cox commercial, not C-O-X, Cox. So yeah, I was Cox an engineer Cox. for Cox yeah. for a decade. Yeah. <laughs> you used to have to say Cox, Cox with an X. <laughs> C-O-X, Cox cable. And they used a song that, you know, I made five, six years ago. And, you know, I got, a good chunk of change for that so that's gonna last me until the next one but if you're an artist the way that i've kind of even separated that of making songs for tv is i have an alter ego songwriting alias who's microwave microwave just make shit he just make shit and here you go put it out if you can get this sync that's tight now the monthly the month to month check is from old man saxon who has made the perils on point and shit. And even then, those checks are not enough to live at all. Because if you're getting a $1,200 a month check and rent is $1,200 a month, you know, that's a good that I'm getting paid, my rent's being paid. But then you start getting into the specifics of why am I only getting $1,200 a month? Why are you counting my stream as this much? Why is it that you get this much is like, what is a stream worth? Like you're getting into that whole uh, conversation. So I guess the only way to kind of fight the uh, streaming services is to make your money sinking, you know, make your money elsewhere. And also Bandcamp's a good way to, to swerve the streaming services, just like releasing it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I know. Like, uh, like I said, Mega Ran, who we uh, licensed the uh, the theme song for this show for, and actually, I yeah, I had licensed. Uh, I did a show in Malaysia, and I licensed one of his other songs for that intro as well. And uh, he does all his stuff on Bandcamp, you know, and he's yeah, got his, his Twitch and all that that he does live streams on, and you know, I, I see yeah. a lot of artists moving in that direction, and. You know, and you, like it's funny that you you did a commercial for Cox. Like I said, I was an engineer for Cox for like a decade. I worked in two different markets for them. Where the you know designing and building the back end of the internet with uh 
Cox with the C. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, my undergrad and my master's are all in uh, ICT. So I, I was uh, was an engineer wow. for a long time. Oh, that's awesome. But, you know, and um, you think about it, like cash flow wise, anyone who I see in the music business really has done in the digital age who has done well came through, you know, a more entrepreneurial avenue to it. And actually, I was just reading an article by uh, or a blog by uh, Ashkan Kabrafuchin. He's the uh, CEO, founder of WatchMojo. But he was talking about, you know, it was how digital, how analog dollars and digital cents turned into like uh, trillions of dollars for people. Yeah. You know, and like if you think back to the analog days of, of music, and like the one person who I guess sort of at the at the transitional point of analog to digital with music from a, an entrepreneurial perspective was a, a mortal technique. You know, he's an independent oh. artist. He sold millions of dollars in albums, you know, produced his own stuff, you know, managed his own tours, made, you know, tons of money. And then, you know, a lot of people that you hear interviews with now say like, you know, when you could sell records, physical records and go on tour and like you, you really, you made so much more money. And today, like because of streams, right, the way streams are counted or the way they're paid out, you know, it's devastating to a lot of people, especially smaller artists. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the the, the constant theme I see with just the music industry is that there's always something, right? There's always going to be something because you're you're mixing art and business. So there's always going to be some bullshit, especially from the artist's um, mindset. But what I will say is, because um, I can, I, I can easily like be very uh, critical the music industry, but I, but at the same time, I am so thankful to be able to pay for the food on my table from making music. I'm so thankful to have the internet that we're talking on from making music. So. Yeah, I do have to be also very appreciative of it and being able to keep a roof over my head, too. As much as I want a mansion, I'm fine with my duplex and my kids, you know. Mm. That could come. I mean, the music business is like that anyways, right? It's just one mm-hmm. big thing, one big lucky break, and then boom. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Even, I mean, yeah, they, they, what is it? It's um preparation or proper preparation preparation prevents poor performance right yeah. so yeah even if, if my time comes where i need to you know make a hit or i'm in the studio with someone thankfully i've done the work so that i will be able to be in a place that i can make a hit and hopefully one day that i will yeah. be able to live in a mansion or some shit so yeah i'm i'm just I'm trying to stay positive with it too. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about being completely broke and stayed in your car in your yeah, TikTok. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's, like, would yeah. you rather, you know, follow this journey and and hopefully one day make it big, or you got that easy money at twenty and uh, not knowing how to manage that and fuck it all up? Or so I, because I've had the question of like you know, or the statement, like, you're going to blow up one day type of thing, or, you know, one day you're going to, like, make it big. And I think for an artist, what was I, I'm reading a book right now. I never read books, so I don't want to make it seem like, oh, I'm reading another book. But I'm reading a book. Yeah. I I, I (laughs) read books. 
he, he um, I can read. I also, <laughs> I can't that well, but I, I get through it. But this author was kind of referencing Alan Watts and saying that, you know, the, the, the actually the pursuit of wanting things is in a way negative because you're kind of always chasing something, right? And I, I've gotten to this point where I've been really appreciative of where I'm at now. And it makes sense because, yeah, I was living in the back of my car for 13 months, you know? And so just the little the little things that I can appreciate, like, man, I remember after the 13 months of sleeping in my car, the first time I had, like, after sleeping in my car for 13 months, the first time that I got to actually sleep in a bed was, like, the craziest shit ever. It was like, mm. oh, yeah, like, I can, like, turn and, like, stretch <laughs> my legs out and shit. <laughs> so, like, to have come from, you know, sleeping in a car and people breaking into your car while you're in it to, like, having a door that locks, <laughs> like, a deadbolt. Uh. Like, that's a fucking amazing thing. And even to just to answer your question to go deeper about like blowing up, like there's certain there's certain little wins that if you as an artist, if you don't acknowledge them, you'll be fucked because you'll always be searching for the when I'm going to blow up type of thing. Right. Mm. So for me, I if I have a random person on Instagram say, hey, you're one of my favorite rappers. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? So in your life that you have, this little world of yours, where you know you wake up and you, you go to school and you have maybe a bully and a girlfriend and all this shit that goes on in your life, in your little world, I'm your favorite rapper? Get the fuck out of here. That's blowing up. Like that is, that's some special shit wow. to me. So, yeah, like, I have to be, I don't know what, if I don't appreciate what's happening now, I don't know if I'll ever blow up because I won't be in the mindset mm. of knowing what to appreciate and what not to. Wow. That's that a, it's a good, good point to talk about, like, the little wins and being yeah, able to appreciate man. those little wins. Absolutely. I appreciate like little it. wins when I have tacos. Like it's very <laughs> releasing. You can tell Jay uh, a lot of tacos. <laughs> so good. Tacos, like, I don't want to blow. Yeah. You know, little wind yeah. helps a lot. Um, I mean, you, you always like feel it when you. Doesn't help my like, date though. My poor girl. <laughs> <laughs> you you add like, pressure shit. to the game. <laughs> When you get sick and stuff, right? Like you always are like, when your nose is stuffy, you're always like, man, I can't wait till I'm able to fucking breathe again. <laughs> like, <laughs> you always like realize how bad shit is when it's bad, you know, if that yeah. makes sense. But like, is there? Yeah. So beautiful, I'm beautifully said. Yeah. You got, you got to appreciate the, the different points. So like you said about getting sick. Like two months ago, I actually had an air infection. I went deaf. It took like oh, took wow. like a month and a half of drugs and treatment to get me to be able to hear again. Wow. So kind of that's tough crazy. when you do a podcast. Hell yeah, man. That's really crazy. What Especially happened? since Jay doesn't prep for the episodes. So I have to be yeah. here to ask questions. No, I, actually, I actually prep for this. If you see, <laughs> I prepared 
It took me 10 minutes, but I prepared. <laughs> Jay, well, like I'll spend hours researching a guest and putting notes together. And then we get on and Jay's like, hey, what, what's this guest do again? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll randomly make fart jokes and, you know. Act and Jay will be like, hey, I'm just going to shut my video yeah. off, but I'm still here. And then you hear him walking away. <laughs> <laughs> No, but brother, that's that. That was really, really beautiful because uh, I think a lot of people who are, who are listening can appreciate that in their careers. Yeah. Well, if you're a startup, if you're trying to grow your business, you don't need to just wait for that big bang or big moment. Just appreciate the little growth. And you got to work the people for around you. Yeah, the people yeah. around you are helping you push you through. And, uh, you know, and blessing. I think that's. It's a problem too in hip hop, especially because we like to um, we yeah we like to flex and we also don't like to show the work yeah. right, right? Yeah. we like to just be like hey I just started rapping two years ago and now I'm a millionaire that's the anomaly that is not the rule like you are some lucky ass shit and even in that two years like tell us what happened within those two years like did you practice every day yeah. yeah but they're just like but the what the grind is summarized in one line in the song i'm on my grind and then that's it yeah. <laughs> it's like wait what? what do you mean yo but people sometimes don't want to hear about the grind because that a becomes complaining b becomes uh like people want to get into this illusion of like that's why a lot of rap song is about bragging and and cars and mansions and they, they just want to escape their reality their grind mm-hmm. yeah you hear that flex yeah. and, and i even talk about that in my ted talk like I understand even speaking that into manifestation. Like I'm gonna tell, like I'm, I want to, I want that too. So I'm gonna rap this song too. And I think my my retort would be, like we have so many of those songs. Like we have billions of yeah. those songs, it's, right? It's getting to and the point where it's too many. Yeah, and the fact that I wrote a song about being homeless and people were like, "Holy shit!" Like that don't like i think we're at a point where we don't hear it enough so we don't necessarily know we that those songs can help that those songs can like really be more helpful to you than this like delusion of grandeur that these rappers have and a lot of them used to be like that rap used to be yeah absolutely rap used to be talking about the roughness of the hood of growing up and stuff like that too scarface's song my block right probably one of the best storytelling Yep. you know in, yep. in all of hip-hop absolutely and so yeah and that's what i that's what i'm kind of getting at because yeah we those songs have a place in hip-hop for sure mm. but they don't they're not sexy they're not sexy so it's just not gonna ever oh, i don't want to say ever it's not for for the time being it's not going to get the place it deserves in um in hip-hop right now on that same kind of on that same storyline, so what, the first album you ever bought was a DMX album. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, you know, not that DMX was, was quite, I would say, visceral in a lot of his storytelling, but, you know, especially as his career, you know, grew into the uh, the mid to late 2000s, he, he became much more of a of a glorified sort of just produced music type of thing. And now he's broke. Right. And I, at one point, like a few years ago, I think he was even living in a halfway house. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? Yeah. And I'm not sure how broke he is, but that's a that's a story that, you know, is not uncommon in the music industry. So I wouldn't be surprised. Right. 
yeah, that's the, how the music industry goes, right? It's whenever you mix that business with art, especially being someone who is so like visceral as DMX. At some point, yeah, you kind of have to adapt to the times. And um, I'm not sure if he did that or not. Yeah, the music industry, is, it, it's, a, it's fucked. It's, really, it's a really fucked place. I think another great way to look at, at the sort of... All of a sudden, I'm, I'm getting depressed. <laughs> well, I think another great way to look at the juxtaposition of, of the stories that are told and the reality of the music industry is, I, I don't know if you remember the, I don't know if you remember the TV show MTV Cribs. Oh, yeah. And there oh, were all these God, stories about yeah. people who would rent mansions and rent cars to, to show uh, off on Cribs. Sense. Like, oh, this is my mansion, 45 yeah. bedrooms. These are my, my 10 Bentleys. And Redman actually did the uh, did Cribs that. from his house in Long Island. His actual house, yep. Yeah, and it was, it was like run down. He's like, this house actually doesn't meet code because I don't have an yeah. exit in the back because <laughs> I built an illegal <laughs> extension, you know, and. You know, and he and he it's had funny because cast on the floor. Yeah, you know, I remember, I remember watching an interview, and they were like, well, "Why did you actually show like the real thing when so many other people were doing this?" And he goes, "Look, the reality is, my mother would have called me out on it if she, she would have known it wasn't my house." She's like, yeah. you don't fucking live there, yeah. you know. And yeah, he wanted Absolutely. to be real about it, but at the same time, though. The persona, I think a, a lot of Wu Tang was. A, we talked about gimmicks earlier. A lot of Wu Tang was gimmicks. Mm, absolutely. But gimmicks that they've kept successful for for years. Yeah. Even it's a gimmick to have at that time to have eight people rap on a song with no hook. Like that's a gimmick, you know. Yeah. And it works. So yeah, very good point. Wu Tang was one of my favorites, especially growing up. I mean, in the '90s and stuff, Wu Tang was just unbelievable yeah they're amazing and they're one of those groups where like being from colorado we kind of don't have the sound that you know most people have we're Mm. kind of if if you're born in denver your music tastes were never in denver so you had to pick a place it was either the south the east or the west and i picked the west but a lot of people picked uh, new york and wu-tang but it was one of those things growing up i didn't listen to them but um, fucking great. <laughs> They're amazing. And it's always more interesting once you know, like, the timeline of where they were when that happened, right? Yeah. If you just to drop in and be like, oh, this is Wu-Tang, you're like, oh, that's cool. But, like, no. Like, if you were there, that's why I'm such a fan of Matt Dre. Like, he made doing ecstasy cool for Black people. Like, mm. that's great. Like, that is a great thing, <laughs> like, <laughs> just historically, to yeah. have this white drug, this historically white drug, He came in, he named it something different, he put some music behind it, and it was a cultural phenomenon. Even if people lost their lives Mm. and got addicted to ecstasy, I get it, but... (laughs) (laughs) I get that. But yeah, context, right? Context. I I grew up in Rhode Island, right? And there's no, like, New England rappers. Uh, Right? So, like, I I listened to, essentially, I guess it was, like, also part of my ignorance, like, in junior high and high school, not like I, I understood East Coast, West Coast, but like just be like listening to everything mm. was just kind of like you know wow you know you, you gr- I grew up I, re- I was in high school when Tupac and Biggie both died yeah. you know I was a senior yeah. you know those were like culture those were like emotional yeah. cultural moments for me that's crazy that's really crazy. well you're from Rhode Island so there was a there was a contestant on Rhythm and Flow from Rhode Island do you know yeah you don't know about this person or not <laughs> his name was Flawless. Really? 
Okay. Who, who are the what's yeah, the name? Yeah, man, you gotta listen. Yes, I, uh, yeah, I saw the show. Uh, Dana didn't see. Yeah, I, I haven't oh, okay. lived in Rhode Island wow. since in over ten years. Yeah, that's what Thailand does to you. You you come to Thailand once and you don't want to go back. Like it's it's one of the biggest places for digital digital really? nomads to live in. I'm not a digital nomad yeah. though, Jay. So shut the fuck up. And is it fairly cheap? <laughs> I don't You're live in Chiang Mai. I don't, I'm not a white dude with dreadlocks. <laughs> I'm not wearing a beer a beer logo tank top. Is it cheap? Is it like relatively cheap? It's it's cheap. It depends on where you live, right? So in Bangkok, Bangkok's in my opinion, Bangkok's probably the greatest city in the world. You know, really? Yeah, it's like New York on steroids. It, it's got a oh. population of 12 million. It's probably, oh. in reality, the population is probably much closer to 15 million unofficially. You know, it, it's a commerce capital for, you know, all of Asia. And you can travel to anywhere. Like I used to work in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, but I would commute from Bangkok because I don't want to live anywhere else. Wow. You know, probably the best food in the world. Most beautiful women in the world. Yeah, food. Twenty-four hours food, like different, wow. different timing, different food. Yeah. Um, wow. But I, I mean, it's probably more expensive than Denver, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Really. Yeah. All right. Geez. But I mean, it's cheaper than New York. What's the capital of Mongolia? Uh, Ulaanbaatar. Ulaanbaatar. Good job. <laughs> I just wanted to know. That's, that's no, it's 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 capital. one of our bucket list places to go to because they make the finest cashmere. And Vicuñas, yeah. So me and Dana want to go there. Yeah, we want to go there, and uh, we we like Genghis Khan and all yeah. that fucking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we can travel again, you like Genghis Khan? <laughs> we're, we're we're not as dumb as we look. We, we're dumber. Than we're we look. pretty dumb, but not as dumb as we look. <laughs> <laughs> we like Genghis Khan. Just this is hilarious. No, Gang, I. In Genghis Khan, I mean, is in actually in, in Mongolian is Chinggis Khan. Chinggis. Oh. Dude, I made I made a, a series of pocket squares uh, for for like painted uh, with Mongolian warriors in it. Yeah. So pocket squares is what you put That's in. That's cool. Suit. No, wow. Down, but yeah, linings and shit. You make them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sick. Jeez, yeah. man. Yeah. What did y'all learn to do this shit? Well, Jay grew up in it. Yeah. Okay. Four, Jay four actually, generations in cloth. Jay actually had like five younger siblings that died in the fabric warehouse because it collapsed. <laughs> on them. <laughs> He's the last one. He, he keeps trying to tell us it was an accident. <laughs> I don't want to divide my will. <laughs> no, so what do you? Your family is third generation fabric merchants, Jay, or fourth? Fourth. fourth. Wow. fourth. Yeah, and That's so I, I was an engineer. I learned design on my own. Wow. Yeah. So, like, when did you like? At what point did you make the switch from engineer to design, and uh, why? So, I've been so even when I was an engineer, a lot of my work focused on design, so good principles of design. But I was probably I was in the middle of uh, doing a PhD in information communication technology, and I was just you know disenfranchised with academic life, and my my girlfriend now wife was uh had her own business doing craft design and so like we had worked together on some projects and I just started to really get into it I took some sewing classes and at the time I was doing I was had my show in Malaysia I was working as a evangelist for another company and I started buying sewing machines and we were living in this like penthouse in downtown Bangkok and I was like I need more room for sewing machines and so we left there moved into a got another building turned the whole first floor into a studio and I just went balls deep on it. 
Wow. That's amazing. Jeez. Hey, see, he, he, there, there's more to it to him as well as like like wrestling MMA. Tell him about that. Oh yeah, I used to be an MMA referee. I traveled all over Asia. I was a pro fighter like 20 years ago, but I refereed wow. organizations all over Southeast Asia, in China, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand. Yeah. You kind of look like you can fight. I don't yes. know what it is. Why do you think I'm so nice to him? Okay fighter. <laughs> not not a great fighter. I was an okay fighter. Average. By by definition, I had a, a two and two record as a professional fighter. So I was average. Yeah, but you know how like when like low level NBA players like go to a pickup game in the park and they yeah. still are like fucking everyone up. That's kind of <laughs> what I picture. Like, <laughs> like yeah, you're two and two, but like still like, <laughs> I don't know what to do now. Well, so also though, like, keep in mind, I live in Bangkok, so like half the people I run into on the street are professional fighters, like high-level Muay Thai oh, guys. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you just gotta be humble. Yeah, no, I dig that. They will beat my ass, man. <laughs> now, I, I've worked out with like really small, like professional Muay Thai fighters, and they kick you one time, and you're just like, oh, I'm gonna take a break. I just need yeah, like 20 minutes to no. recover. <laughs> Hell no, nah, man. Have you ever, like, were you, both of you, were you, have you ever lost a fight before? Did you lose a fight before you actually, like, professionally fought? I don't think, I, I maybe had, like, two fights, like, my light in my life before I was a professional fighter, like, in junior high or something. And did you win both of them? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's But, but I mean, the, these like, are, like, like, high school fights. Like, I hit yeah, a dude two times, you know? Whatever though, if you that the dude you hit two times, he didn't go into professional fighting. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> I know, I know what that feels like. That's probably I, a car like salesman a now or something. I don't know. Yeah, if you lost a fight bad in in high school, you didn't you didn't professionally fight. <laughs> I go all Gandhi in a fight. I'm like nonviolence, and uh, yeah, man. You know, I'll let you hit me once, and let's call it a day. Yeah, and uh, now cool. I'm a negotiator, and I sell shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you like some fabric? He sells his way out of a fight. He's like, you don't want to fight me. Who you really want to fight is yeah, my Eddie, friend Dana. I'll give you a 25 percent discount right now. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, it's like. Anything though, like so, I fought one of my friends. Like the last time I, I fought, it was a good friend of mine. It was like, you know, like if I if we both played basketball, we play a pickup game against each other, and we're both big big dudes, so we both like to fight. Why not fight? Okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just as, oh. and I like it's just as fun as you know making a, a jacket. You know, they're, they're both enjoyable things. Just one has you know much yeah, less recovery time. You're wired different, man. That's what it is. People are just wired differently. I'm not mad at you. I get it. <laughs> I get it. <sighs> Don't hit my body. It's just, even like, so my, my wife did like a jujitsu for a while and like she would go to the gym and like she, she gets down with it. She, she doesn't mind to like slam someone or choke them out. Nice. Okay. Match made in heaven. Man. Every now and then right. she'll sneak around the desk and like try to put me on a choke or she'll, she'll pull like a, <laughs> a knife out from under the desk and like, you know, Aww. see if she can stab me, you know, real quick. <laughs> Just for Aww. fun. True love. True love. Oh. So, so that's what that room with no window and soundproof room is for. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, my studio looks a little scary. There's no windows and it's all, all, oh, all soundproofed. <laughs> oh, my God. That's why we do Zoom calls. I'm like, I don't want to make him mad. Um, yeah, fuck. I need to stay away from this guy. So Saxon, we have these uh, these 10 questions that we ask all of our guests. It kind of gives us a baseline for the show. We'd like to run through these with you. 
Okay. I made a controller. It's kind of like a controller or okay. a bean or a bean with a cape. I know this is an audio in a <laughs> medium, but I just wanted to show you. It's basically it's it's a tiny plastic thing that looks like penis and balls. <laughs> uh, if you put straight, I, I, so I don't Jay, know why. I mean, you're, you're, you're South there Asian, you so uh, that could very much be your penis. That, that could that that is my penis exactly. <laughs> uh, very big balls and a tiny. Uh... Wow, you know what's funny? <laughs> I did not notice that at all. Well, I mean, because again, this is what Jay looks at all day. The rest of us have normal size <laughs> units. Uh, okay, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't see. I was wired. Hey, hey, my my first ever black friend taught me about Magnum condoms, and I never went back from it. And you were like, I can fit everything in here. <laughs> <laughs> your suitcase. <laughs> uh, this show has gone south so far. Like our biggest guest ever, and uh, we're talking about. Condoms and balls. Yeah, <laughs> You're the one who said that, that little thing looked like your penis. I mean. <laughs> hey, 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 let's not point fingers. <laughs> All right, let's do this. That being said. Yes, yes. First question in our lineup, you know, in these 10 questions. When did you first know you had an interest in menswear or men's style? Let me think about that. Ask Saxon, my first interest in menswear. You know what? It would probably be going to like my dad. So I have this smoking jacket from Neiman Marcus, right? And it's really nice. I don't know where the fuck it's at right now, but it's nice. And I remember because my dad was like much older man. I think mean, he was 55 when he had me or something. So whenever he would go shopping for something, he would shop the fuck around for it. So I remember him wanting this smoking jacket and going to all these different stores to find it. And he finally found it. It's like the fucking perfect jacket. Like, you can't tell if it's blue or red. It's like some weird, like, fabric. But yeah, and I would say that was probably my first time to be like, oh, okay, things are nice sometimes. <laughs> now you talked about your first outing as, as Old Man Saxon. You wore the, the robe, you had, you know, slippers, you had the the newspaper and like the pair of boxers, you know, what was that development process like from, you know, the, the grandpa on the toilet up to the, you know, up to the three piece suit, old man Saxon. It was Steve Harvey, Steve Harvey with the development for it. Okay. Oh shit. Yeah. Like the whole, cause, cause D smoke in the rap battle called you, uh, Steve Harvey. And it was so funny. Cause I was like, how does he know? He like, part of it was good because it's like, he got it. Like, that's what I was trying to do. Yeah, like the rap uh, battle. You were like, congrats. You were like, oh, you're so good. Like, it didn't yeah. look like a battle. Like, yeah, it was like nah, two guys nah. you know, respecting yeah, each other. that's the homie. That's the homie. But I would say, yeah, it was trying to get the look of old Steve Harvey suits. Like, the first, like, on point, the video on point, those suits are yeah. a little bigger, right? They're mm. not really tailored. So it started with, okay, I'm just going to wear, like, suits on stage too and it started with first was the on point video shoot where we bought all these suits and then sorry i burped and had a demon come out of me and then it was <laughs> um <laughs> and then it was i'm gonna wear one of these suits on stage and yeah ever since then it started with steve harvey and now i'm on your podcast <laughs> from steve harvey to dapper villains <laughs> yes. there you go life-changing moments you're welcome, yeah. sir. Yeah. 
So did you have coming up in the hip hop game? Like you said, you came from, from Colorado, from Denver, you know, you moved out to LA, you got into to hip hop, but did you have a mentor in the industry? Oh man, no, no, not at all. And I would say that's probably why I've taken uh, a little bit longer of a time to blow up, quote unquote, is because I've kind of had to do this, like learn on my own, right? There wasn't really anyone saying when I was making those terrible first songs in LA that, oh, you know what, this this sounds like everyone else. Maybe you should talk about your own experiences. That was like a real learning point from listening to like being broke as shit living in my car and then being like oh you know what now i'll write about these experiences but like yeah if i had somebody to to mentor me maybe things would have been different but um i also like the path that i took you know I know that you talked about not knowing a ton about menswear because it's really just you starting with the character and it being a gimmick but we were kind of joking about the fabric and like the wool suits and the liners and everything. Fabric selection is something in menswear you know, that we talk about a lot. And, you know, it makes up the foundation for a lot of, of what we wear in life. If you had to pick just one fabric, like cotton, wool, linen, you know, whatever it might be, silk, you know, it's the only thing you could wear going forward. What, what would it be? Man. I feel like silk is the best answer just because of I like how it feels, but I've never worn a fucking silk suit before. Very warm. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah silk. It's an insulator. Mm, wow. Mm. What's like the coolest fabric? Linen. Really? Yeah. Breathes well, the most. Let's go linen. Cotton. Fuck yeah. I'll say linen. Okay. Because I hate being hot. I, I really dislike being hot. So I'm going to go with linen. Although, like with linen suits, for example, if you're performing and you're sweating, it'll be very visible. Like the whole point of linen is to absorb water and dry fast. But that whole process can be seen. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know what? I kind of like that. I'm still going to say linen. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know what? I like that. It it shows like KRS-One. He always, you know KRS-One, right? Oh, hell yeah. Of course. Yeah, of course. Come on. He would always say, uh, when you do a show, you should have layers, right? You should mm-hmm. have a coat. So you take off your coat. If you have a hat, flip it around back and forth so the audience can seem feel like it's, you know, going through this journey with you. Yeah. So with a linen suit, to have to start off dry with the audience and then at the end of it, they see the work I put in. Mm. Like if that is in the form of a sw- big ass sweat stain, I'm down. I'd like that. I'm going to go with linen. Nice. That's cool. I would say for for performing though, like I would almost like a linen wool blend would be like great. Yeah, yeah. That'd linen be wool. Let's see, all right. Well, no, no. See, so, gonna... so there's these types of blazers where it's linen wool silk. It's made by Laura Piana. That's the stuff. Linen wool and silk. Yeah, yeah it's combined. Yeah. This is like a, the the top tier right now for like a blazer or like a formal suit. Really? Okay. Yeah. Good yeah. Yeah. Jay's working on a winter weight linen in fuchsia green. <laughs> in fuchsia. <laughs> is that true? No, 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 no. This is oh. a joke. <laughs> is it, is it, Joe, is it a call back to a, an episode we, we did with Dandy Wellington. 
Are you going to get Dapper Dan on this podcast magically? We have tried. We have reached out and uh, have not gotten a response. Yeah. I, ta- I tag him on Instagram uh, because a lot of really? guests bring bring him up. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he, he he always taps like. So uh, let's, let's Oh, see. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. But never that's responds. Amazing. Yeah, that's fair. I've been trying to get him to make a suit for me. Not because I knew who he was, but just people kept saying like to y'all, like, you should get Dapper Dan to wear a suit. And I've done some like a little bit of research and i love him and I a little him. bit of like the also like the hip-hop sort of sartorial lineage yeah. if he were to do a suit yeah for you. Exactly. exactly there's another so thing i wanted to tell you about uh like there's a there's a menswear show called pity umo and uh it, it's it's in it. it's in florence and uh that's where if you show up, uh, you'll get a lot of connections and uh, you might get to perform there. Like a lot of Americans also go there, clothiers. Really? Yeah. Can you yeah. spell it? What's it called again? I'll Kitty? send you an email with some links and stuff. Yes, tight, yes, tight. yes. Tight, tight. All right. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, Jay's right. It would definitely be a, uh, a very, uh, it'd be your, it'd be old man Saxon's venue because you can own this space like nobody is in it and and uh, nobody is like is the bridge between rapping and also you know guy wear suits so do you know um have you ever heard of jimothy lacoste does that sound so familiar but no jimothy lacoste like he's like um he's kind of in the middle of bridging this uh gap more of between just like men's wear not suits really but he's a very like it's hard to explain. You would have to, you'd. I, I'll send it to you. It's okay. Like yeah. Jimothy J I M O T H Y Lacoste, like the L A C O S T E, and his music's very like, it, it's super hilarious. It's hilarious, yeah. and if you see it, I think he'd be a good person to have on your podcast too. Actually, we'll definitely check he it did. out. Yeah. So I know you said you have eight suits right now. What's your What's your favorite menswear item that you own? Oh. That is a good question. I have a lot of ties. I like ties like a lot, but um, really, I'm gonna just go. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I just really enjoy a nice tie, like a tie that matches the suit, but not on purpose. Like not a tie that was made to go with the suit, but like mm. when you find like it's a really nice tie from like over there that matches your suit from over here. It I don't know. It's really, it's really rewarding to me. I don't know. How about bow ties? Anything like that? Have you ever messed around with uh, any other neckwear? So, so that's what's funny too, because like I, um, like I'm very aware of the thin line between like good gimmick and bad gimmick. So like the times that like I've like thought about wearing a bow tie, like I'll put it on and be like, not too gimmicky. Not, like, not way too gimmicky. Like, I, yeah, and I wish like. Yeah, I wish people would understand how aware I am of my gimmick. Super aware. Yeah, but like yeah. even like bolo ties, I've tried. I would love it. And it would be something that I would be fine with wearing not on stage. Like if I was just walking around with a bolo tie, fuck yeah. But on stage, it's a little much. Have you thought about a oh, neckerchief? I've ascot. I've done an ascot before for sure. Yeah. I've done that. In a, they're, they're like too much work. They're like, I don't know. I I learned how to tie it on a YouTube video. So like I'm, yeah, it just was too 
I feel like I'm being choked by like uh <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm being choked. Well, see, it, I can see old man Saxon rocking a neckerchief as a more casual look neckwear for yeah. a suit. Yeah, look at yeah. look at Godfather, Al Pacino in Godfather. That's that's the best look see, yeah. for yeah, I'm um, not mad at that at all. I think we'll have to send you one of our dapper villains uh Negroni neckerchiefs when I eventually get them printed. Tight. I would one hundred percent wear that. One hundred percent. Hey, you just tie it like a foreign hand on a tie. It's pretty simple. Okay. Yeah, no, it's I've worn it once and it it felt like I was losing breath. Yeah, no, well, well the, the neckerchief you can wear nice and loose. Okay. The nice median between the two. Yeah. So this next question is one that that we like to wear. You're from Denver, so like you're kind of in that ranch country. So I'll be interested to see, you know, what what you think of this, but do you think it's ever okay for a guy to wear denim on denim on denim on denim, you know, i.e. the Canadian tuxedo? <laughs> that, that, you know, keep in mind, 90s hip-hop, that was a hot look. Uh, yeah, it was, actually. <laughs> um, if the question is if it's okay, yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but if it, the question is, does it look good? It's different. That's a different question. Yeah. It's perfectly fine. It's not murdering anyone. The question is, like, have you done it or will you do it? No, <laughs> no, you know what? I've definitely done it in like middle school. Yeah, like, that was the thing to do. Is you buy these full denim like FUBU suits or some shit like yeah. that. Yeah, I one hundred percent have done that in my life. Thanks, David also, John. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, shut up. But yeah, like I, that I was also, you know, my balls hadn't dropped yet. But I think once, like you're a grown up, that's a different, yeah. that's a different question. Yeah. You you know what though? It's funny because th there's always people who we think are gonna say no, it's not okay, or yes, it's okay, and it's always almost the opposite of what we think before the always. show. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. I I'm completely fine with it. It is not. Any of my now he's gonna be like, "Well, that's my Canadian tuxedo," yeah. and pulls it out. No, no. Next, when he finally goes on tour, Canadian tuxedos going with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that's not a bad look. That might be. I mean, that's an interesting. Pro Ben Saxon. I might be able to pull it off. That with cowboy boots. Yeah, man. And <laughs> you could definitely rock the bolo yeah. with the Canadian tuxedo. Yeah. All right, I'm not. I'm really not mad at that at all. Like that might, dope might slap. Get get some dope like uh, chain stitch embroidery on the jacket. <laughs> you looking like a uh, little <laughs> Nas X grandpa. <laughs> Also, I want to change my 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 most prized possession is the smoking jacket. That is the actual answer. To go back, that's my okay. possession. Prize possession. Yeah. Now, I know since you're new to the suit game, you know, this might be sort of a, a weird one for you, but, you know, a lot of times we talk about tailoring and the styles that, you know, classically we, we think of tailoring as, you know, British, Italian, American styles. Do you have sort of, do you know about like the different styles? Do you have a favorite or do you just sort of look at like the silhouette when you're looking at a suit? Man, I have no idea what any of that means. Like I like, any of the tailoring things, I have no idea. Like the, I get it tailored, and like usually they'll ask me questions, but I just want to. I haven't gotten to the point where like I'm in detailed like dialogue with anyone because I just want to feel good on stage, right? That's really it's like I don't know what you're doing, what you're tailoring, but if I can't like put my hands up and down really quick, yeah. <laughs> then, <laughs> you know, so. 
Well, see, I think that's where that's where a little bit more knowledge on on the menswear front will kind of work for you because you'll be you'll have yeah, the vocabulary absolutely. to talk to yeah. a tailor and be like, "This is what I need to do." You know, I need yeah. the sort of I need the gussets in the back of the sleeve, or I need the pleats, and you know, you'll I be don't want to, the fucking huge ass shoulder pads because yeah. when I move, I don't want it to look yeah. like a yeah, exactly like I need that natural shoulder. I want the roll. You'll, you'll be I don't able to want it fully those. lined so that I can I can get the airflow going. Yeah, yeah. half lined or unlined. You know, there there are a lot of these terms that you'll find out when you go through the process of yeah. making a custom cloth. Absolutely, and, uh, you you'll enjoy it, man. Is it do you? Is it like? Um, could it be fairly inexpensive to make a it, custom it, suit? Yeah, it could be. Like it, it could be about like eight hundred dollars to make a custom suit. Really, that's yeah. a fine ass suit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially like it, it could also is a standard rate, but yeah. um, it could also go. run up as high as how much? Ten thousand. Two thousand. Well, about well, ten thousand is like for fully handmade Italian suit. Yeah, yeah. like Savile uh, That's more for like, like Naples. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, hand yeah, stitch. That's more. Yeah, but wait, that takes wait, forever wait. to make as well because you have to do multiple fittings. And yeah, stuff. that's like uh, a, a year process. You're flying back yeah. and forth to the tailor. Yeah. Yeah. Really? No, but some people chase that shit. Like, yeah, it's, it's some people chase it's, that. It's huge. It's like market. poison. Yeah. yeah. It's like worse than crack. See, yeah, I could see, like, don't let me get too much money because I could see me doing that. Yeah. Like, custom, yeah, like, some people even, uh, I don't know if you know who Conor McGregor is. He's an MMA fighter. Yeah, absolutely. He had custom made fabric that said, fuck you on the uh, pinstripe. And it was gold. It was gold pinstripe. It was actual gold. And fun, fun fact wow. we sold that piece. Really? Yes. Wow! Yes, That's yes. Crazy. So, so, so with the these words, they pinstripe. Uh, they make it into pinstripe, and then it's like "fuck you," and then it's a pinstripe. Yeah. We had a guy. You know, he he was about to go to court for divorce. He he said "fuck," and then the name of his his ex wife wow. all over the suit and wore that to the court. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, like that's where the beauty of <laughs> custom is. You know, like you can do all sorts of things. What's the yardage minimum to do something like that, Jack? That's a print, though, right? Like you're printing on the fabric, or is we that can print wool? it or weave it. Weave it is like it takes three months to weave. Yeah, but if Jeez. it's printing, it takes two days, and it's yeah. like no minimum. But he says two days. I'm waiting wow. like months on prints sometimes with Jack. <laughs> That's a natural fiber. <laughs> but yes, I mean, there's levels to this, right? But yeah, you could do a made-to-measure suit, like eight, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars. You know, up to the thousands and then fully bespoke, like hand stitched, you know, multiple fittings, Jeez. tens of thousands. Jeez, man. It sounds nice. So it's a good life. It's where you want to be with it. You know, it's like, you know, like yeah. like you said, it's some people it is they chase that. It's like poison, or they, you know, some yeah. people wait years to get an appointment with a tailor. And the ten thousand dollar suit could look shitty if the yeah. tailor does not understand or does not interpret how you wear things well or yeah. solve your body problems well and it could look sloppy on you yeah. but having uh, a relationship a good... with the tailor is really intimate yeah <laughs> it is tailors know a lot more well, secret than anybody else yeah. i absolutely believe it i just where my mind went it was just like uh <laughs> no, i got you i got you ghost. I feel like the scene from Ghost, but with the tailor, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> it's something that you learn along the way, you know? And if you're going to wear clothes a lot, like if you're touring in clothes, like the functionality of them is important. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and like understanding, like, I think also once you develop the vocabulary, once you under develop like an understanding of how you want your clothes to fit yeah. and feel, 
right? You become more confident in what you wear. Like I, I stopped wearing belt years ago and switched to to suspenders because really? like I, I don't I want my pants to fit in in a way that's very functional and comfortable and I can move easily. And yeah, you know, I, I think belts are, you know, kind of against that. The belts don't work in that favor. Whereas something like suspenders or side cinches do, you know, and it gives you more freedom of movement, more comfort. That's the cool thing about just growing, like, I guess growing old is like kind of feeling, realizing like what works for you. Yeah. yeah. And for me, like I haven't hit that point in the fashion world yet. Right. So like, for example, I just started realizing I like tea. Like, I like loose leaf tea, man. I'm fucking 32. I just realized I like tea. And so like, I would like that same kind of breakthrough with my fashion too. And especially like my fashion, not on stage. Cause man, uh, when I tell you like I just mail it in when I'm <laughs> when I'm not old man Saxon, I really do. Like I, I'm lucky to wear underwear. I'll hit you up with some emails and stuff. We'll, we'll get you on WhatsApp. We'll chat. Oh, yeah. I'll help you out, man. Tight, man. That'd be really tight, actually. Now, for, I know you said you kind of phone it in from a a personal standpoint when you're not in in character, but. From a style perspective, is even like just in the hip hop game, is there someone who you look up to as sort of like that pinnacle of style with within the art within the industry? I really like uh, Tyler the Creator's style, and I can't quite tell if it's because it's not necessarily something that I would wear. I think there's probably a connection that I'm having that I can't quite shake i can't separate and it's this idea of time the creator being this young black entrepreneur that ended up designing his own shit and then like you know charging a bunch of people and making a lot of money off of his own designs so there's something really um you know admirable about that and i think maybe that's kind of what i'm more um drawn to than the actual clothes but yeah, I do love Tyler the Creator's. I guess it's a style, but definitely his his work ethic to get to that point. Also, yeah, there's like ASAP Rocky has a very like it's an, a very androgynous style, right? It's just like it's he is what he is, and yeah, there's something even admirable about that. I think I've kind of just always been drawn towards the people who you know, don't care that much, like, or, or care so much about what they do that they don't care about what other people think. So yeah, ASAP Rocky, Tyler, the creator, but yeah, every, and even to some extent, they, they, I don't want to say they try hard, but they're, they're trying to look good. I don't really know if anyone who's just like casual style that I'm like really into, like that I'm into. I would say with ASAP Rocky, Tyler's creator is one thing, but I think ASAP Rocky's on on a whole other level with the way that he sort of marries street style and sartorial menswear, and mm. the way he ma- he brings it together is re- really beautiful, and I, he stands out quite a bit for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think yeah, in, I don't really. Is there anyone else like that? Andre three thousand, you know, three stacks, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. You know, absolutely. And, in a much more, I would say Andre 3000 in a much more eclectic way than ASAP Rocky. Yeah. Where ASAP Rocky, they, they both have the vocabulary to, to explain menswear, to talk about it in that group of people who, who understand the small details. But their approach is very different where 
Andre 3000 very much takes aspects of menswear to to a level where he can he can turn it into something very unique where ASAP Rocky is is very much walking a line between street style and in sartorial menswear. Yeah. Yeah. Um cuz even like Andre 3000 I wouldn't necessarily say I like liked his style but like yeah, I guess I'm starting to kind of even talking through it. I'm start. I guess I like the mindset that can make someone dress like that. That can make someone get that that style. Like, would I wear it? No. Like, like I'm not. And it's funny. Like, if you ever a Key and Peele joke on <laughs> on Andre 3000 yeah. a lot. But, yeah. You know, would would I wear? Would I do what he does? Would I wear what he wears? No. Yeah. Would I? Do I appreciate the way he approaches it? Yes. Would yeah. I? Absolutely. Would I take inspiration from his approach? Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. You know, another person that in the hip hop world that Jay and I talk about quite a bit for their style is Jadena. You know, in, in his approach to the suit. Oh uh, yeah. Absolutely. Very sartorial. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that with yeah, being old man Saxon, I've kind of heard that name thrown around. But is he is it tutorial for him? Is or is it more like it's fully custom? Well, it, it's all about the suit. And it's funny because I sent Jay um, funk, the Funk Flex video of uh, Jadena's first freestyle on there, and Jay was like, "Oh man, look at the the club collar, look at the look at the bar, look at you know the the buttons, everything he's doing." And when we talked to Justin on the show, Justin said he's seen Jadena out in LA, and he's always wearing a three piece suit. See, that's I've had. There was a person on Rhythm and Flow who's like our coach for this season. His name is King Los. And he pretty much told me also, like, I had got kicked off the show or whatever, and I was, like, doing an interview. And they expected me to come to the interview with my suit on, right? And for me, it's always been the mentality that I have to be uh, to be old man Saxon is so draining. It is the most draining thing because, like, not to get all, like, artsy, like, oh, I'm in character. But he's a different person. He's a completely different person. It's method acting for you. Yeah, it is. So I've never gotten to a point where like I want to wear the suit out. Because this is what happened to me actually once too. Was um, after the show, I had like a, a live show that I was supposed to do. And my manager and my booking agent said, hey, we want you to wear the suit. Wear the suit and go out amongst the town and paint the town red, Saxon. And I was like, all right, fuck yeah. So I put on the suit and now I'm noticed. Like I wear the suit actually to not be noticed once I'm out of the suit. So it's counterproductive for me to wear a suit all the time when I'm actually doing it to disappear, you know? Yeah. It's like Clark Kent's glasses for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, actually. Yeah. It's like a little... I would always tell my students to have like a token for when you're going to perform so that you can flip that switch. My token just happens to be a fucking three-piece suit. But yeah, it's it's a it's a little thing to remind me that I am on stage. So if I was to wear it, man, I would become like a drug addict. Like straight up, I would just be like, I would go all in as old man Saxon. So yeah, I Well, I think there's there's a nice place that you can sort of build that divide between what your personal casual style looks like and develop that yeah. much different 
Because yeah. old man Saxon, like you said, it's a gimmick. It can be loud. It can be obnoxious. It can be, you know, Civil War Union yeah. jackets. And, yep. you know, it works. And then you can throw on a, a vest or a, a shirt in, or waistcoat, yeah. I'm sorry. And uh, our, our friend Orlando Williams will get on me if I say vest. But a waistcoat? <laughs> yeah, wa- waistcoats, a, a, a vest is something you wear hiking. A waistcoat is something you wear as menswear. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna call it a waistcoat, man. That sounds way cool. But you know, like you can you can develop your style, you know, very differently in those regards. I think someone who does casual style really well in the hip hop game as well is Black Thought. Oh yeah, Greg Trotter. And uh, you know, let me ask you a question real quick: Is cologne like a part of men's fashion? Is that considered? Is that considered a part like? fragrances and shit i think some guys would say yeah no it's it's part of helping you get laid better <laughs> but that's not so that's not like intertwined with like oh i'm wearing this cologne with this suit or anything that's right, not it depends thing, right? some some guys you know they want to smell a certain way i i personally don't wear cologne jay wears way too much yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> makes my head hurt I can't jay and his magnum condoms for his small penis <laughs> <laughs> So we're talking about your style, but also like, you know, the style of, of old man Saxon in your mind though, how formal do you think guy should be on a daily basis? Oh man. Cause it that sounds to me really... like you're not comfortable just phoning it in. Like you want to up your game. Well, it's hard to say because I'm actually like extremely comfortable phoning it in. I guess what I'm trying to get to is where I'm not so comfortable because I can do this. I'll do this for the rest of my life. And so if the question is how formal should people be, I kind of cringe to think about a world in which everyone dresses like me and everyone's in sweatpants and a dirty T-shirt with like breast milk on it from like four years ago. And I don't, yeah, yeah, the, the child has been breastfed in a while. But like, I, I also have always, oh man, no, let me just tell you, I've also always had like this sort of stigma against people who dress up too much to go to like the store, especially like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, like, it's always been this weird mix for me. So if it's, I, I don't know, I don't know how to answer that question. I, I, I guess it'd be somewhere in the middle between. Uh, people should be more formal than me and then less formal than Dapper Dan on a regular basis. Somewhere in the middle of <laughs> somewhere, yeah. So we're, we're actually, I'm probably going to revisit this question on the list at some point soon because we recently had a guest on who who threw it back at us and said it shouldn't be about formality, it should be about elegance. Oh, okay. What's the, what exactly is the difference there for you? So for me, the formality is formality is like you're wearing a uniform, right? And when this is what I came to, I didn't think about this at the moment. And I I gave it some thought afterwards. And I think the word formality makes it feel like a a uniform, right? You there's a formal occasion, so you have to wear this. Like when I was in the army, I had to wear my my BDUs every day. You know, when I worked as an engineer, I had to wear business casual, which is the worst of all worlds yeah. right like and formal old man saxon would be a three-piece suit yeah like That's the formality the, form, the, the uniform for old man saxon is the these over-the-top outfits whereas yeah. you know elegance is 
you're you're really approaching the way you dress with respect and attention. Yeah, appropriation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of the situation. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that then that makes a little bit more sense. But I guess um yeah, then I'm not elegant at all. So <laughs> like even in, in a- well, think about it. Right, <laughs> it's, it's about the thoughtfulness that you approach your your day with. Right, you can still wear the yeah. old T-shirt. Right. You, you, then you pick like, okay, I like this t-shirt and I have old t-shirts that I love. They're so comfortable. Yeah. And you take that and you, you wear it, you pair it with a great pair of denim that's cut right for your body. And you, you throw a, a blazer on over it and you've got yourself a, a very nice casual outfit. I see. Or you throw a dapper villains, you know, military inspired overshirt on it made from linen and you've got a great top coat. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I, I see. Coming so- soon at dappervillains.com. <laughs> Nice Black point. Friday code. <laughs> <laughs> Type in Magnum condoms. Twenty <laughs> percent off. But yeah, I think elegance is the is the right way to approach that that question as opposed to formality. When I thought about it, like sort of after the fact. You know, in the last question in our in our set of ten, if you could go back in time and give one piece of style advice to your younger self, what would it be? Oh, jerseys. Stop wearing so many jerseys. Jerseys definitely did not age well. Like I was, there was a time in especially hip hop where there was like a big boom in throwback jerseys. Like getting these old ass jerseys of players who you probably didn't even know or you never saw play. And I had, at one point I had a, a wall full of like really old jerseys in high school. And I had a party and someone stole all of them. But wow, that sucks. Yeah, it was and it was fine. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, I stole my jerseys. Ah oh, fuck. Like I don't care. But like the idea of, of wearing um it just didn't age properly in my brain. The idea of wearing like a player's uh, another man's name and number who now at this point a younger man's name and <laughs> like like this is a young boy. I'm like, here I like you a lot. Look at me. I'm you. So like yeah, jerseys definitely got did not age well for me. So I'd say cut back on the jerseys section. Cut back on the jerseys. Yeah. Probably very yeah. solid advice. Yeah, absolutely. Well Saxon, I, you know, it's been a great, you know, episode talking to you for a couple hours, man. I really one, I appreciate you taking the time. And I also really appreciate the insights that you're kind of giving us into, into your world and also the gimmick of Old Man Saxon, man. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. I definitely was not thinking it was going to be a couple hours. My kids are just screaming. They're not by themselves, by the way. <laughs> kids are having knife fights in the kitchen. <laughs> He's going to go out there like, what's all this blood? <laughs> so yeah i have to go say hello to them but thank you man and let's yeah let's keep in touch for, for sure, sure man because you definitely have given me a lot of insights and real quick before we let you go uh where can people find more information about you where can they follow you what's the best what's the best avenue man that's hard so i want to say something about this also because like yeah i have like, all these followers on instagram right and then the thing about instagram is that and most social media platforms is you have to keep posting if you want people to see the shit that you care about right Mm. so i'm 
Old Man Saxon at everything. You can find me at Old Man Saxon. That's okay. that's the short answer. The long answer is just YouTube. YouTube Old Man Saxon and Spotify Old Man Saxon. Instagram doesn't pay me for shit. Facebook doesn't. Twitter doesn't. And I don't post on there. So you can follow me, but I don't. I don't care. But if you like my art, go to YouTube and go to Spotify and listen. Links to all that down in the show notes. Again, Saxon, thank you so much. Yo, appreciate the honesty and respect, bro. Respect. Thank you, friends. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, man. Until next time, everyone, stay dapper, stay villainous.